Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we're going to be looking ahead to the stories and events that will grab the headlines and move markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, that means inflation, jobs, wages, and how it's going to affect interest rates and ultimately your portfolio. And speaking of investments, we'll be finding out whether Rolls-Royce is one to consider. That's after its near £500 million deferred prosecution agreement with the Serious Fraud Office. I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, economics editor and columnist of The Times, Robert Lee, our industrial editor, and Callum Jones, The Times markets reporter. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Philip, let's start with you. We're going to have inflation figures You were at this month's uh, inflation briefing at the at the Bank of England. Uh, let me just play you a clip from that conference to remind you. The biggest determinants of the UK's medium-term prosperity will be the country's new relationship with the EU and the reforms that it catalyzes. These processes will also have a significant bearing on inflation over the course of the next few years. Market participants' views regarding the economy's future growth potential will influence asset prices, particularly the exchange rate. Firms' assessments of the outlook for demand and the ease of future trade will affect their investments. Households' confidence in the economic situation will help determine their spending. And with time, the UK's economy's supply will be affected by a new set of trading relationships with the EU and other countries. Philip, what was your sense uh, from that uh, conference there with the governor as to how how high they would tolerate uh, inflation figures before they actually were forced to raise interest rates? You know, billion dollar question, isn't it? They at the moment inflation is set to they're expecting it to hit two point eight percent in twenty eighteen, uh, and that is a tolerable level. Um, we, we've got to remember that this is uh, that the markets are anticipating uh, two rate rises uh, by sort of mid 2019 by the end of 2019 so there are rate rises sort of you know uh penciled in as it were um the the intolerance of the bank of england to inflation would mean that there would be more rate rises than the current two that are penciled in but the first one is not is not expected until august 2018 so if if there are signs that inflation say spikes up to three and a half percent that could be a level at which they decide uh you know that is just that's too much um And so they start raising rates earlier than 2018. Um, and then maybe it may lead to more rate rises before the end of the decade uh, than currently expected. 
What about the effect on sterling? That's always in the mix, isn't it? And it always seems so very hard. I mean, you watch it every day. It's up, it's down. It's very vulnerable to all the influences at the moment. Well, Brexit is the dominant influence. It's the nature of our trading relationships. Anything that the politicians say, um, that's what moves uh, That's what moves uh, the, the currency market um, uh, and central bankers. Actually, uh, Mark Carney said in, in that press conference that uh, central bankers have had their 15 minutes of fame. You know, that it's uh, the sort of the levers of power have shifted back to uh, the politicians uh, in in you know, in the last sort of six months with Brexit and with the rise of Donald Trump, um, you know, the, the sort of technocrats are taking a back seat. I do wonder whether that's um, uh, Mr. Carney sort of abdicating some responsibility. What, what, what is what is Carney's cre- credibility like in the city now? Yeah, he's, he, uh, he's liked he's liked in the city for his handling of the post-Brexit, you know, financial stability stuff. Um, they... His flip-flopping on interest rates, uh, uh, people think, is a bit of a joke. And you do hear, you know, the fact that he's 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 sort of signaled that rates are going to rise uh, so many times and then retreated from this point that people no longer trust. I mean, there is a general sense that people no longer trust what he says on int- on where interest rates are going to go. Um, but I think his they they certainly think that the bank was the grown up immediately after Brexit, and they and there's a lot of credibility on that arm of uh, central banking. We were talking at the tail end of last year about Mark Carney and about how the political row, certainly in the wake of the referendum, uh, was almost calming in the in the, in the latter months of, of 2016. Now the bank has again reviewed forecasts after after the referendum, particularly for growth. Do you think it's under a bit more political pressure again, or do you think we're still seeing politicians step back and accept that Mark Carney is staying put for now at least, and they should they should leave them to their jobs? Yeah, that argument seems to have uh, have have dropped away. Okay. You know, we, we've got over the new year, the Brexiteers who you know were really annoyed by uh, anything Carney said seem to not be pursuing that line of argument now. I think everyone kind of has has moved on to you know there's bigger fish to fry than having a pop at the <laughs> the governor. There's there's a lot of trading negotiations and uh, Brexit votes in the Houses of Parliament to. Uh, to you know, occupy them. Looking at the US just for a moment, I'm fascinated to your views. Janet Yellen received a letter, didn't she, from a senior congressional leader saying basically you've got to withdraw from all these international negotiations until the president has, has decided which direction he wants to go in. I mean, as an economics observer, how likely do you think it is that she's going to stay with that sort of interference? This guy was a, was a member of the uh, House of Representatives. He wasn't uh, an official in the administration or anything. So, no. um, I, I guess that's you know that's people. You could put it down to just you know people who don't like her sniping from the sidelines. So I, I don't think that is going to force her out. Um, if you get if you get negative comments from Trump and his administration directly at her, um, you know there may come a breaking point. But there was another thing about that which I thought was was really quite significant in in that if the if the U.S. is going to pull back from international uh, negotiations on on uh, banking regulation, which has which has been the template for the last eight years. If they're going to pull out of that, it could affect the UK's negotiating stance with Europe because um, you know obviously the city is absolutely vital to uh, uh, you know British prosperity, um, and part of that is being able to provide these financial services into the, onto the continent, which we're currently allowed to do. In future, from 2018, we will be allowed to do that under a system of equivalence, but it's the Europeans who will judge what equivalence uh what mean what equivalent you know what is equivalence um 
what the UK was hoping to do, I think, was uh, get the US on side and set the equivalent standards on a global level, which then the Europeans would have to adopt as well. So we would have effectively been allowed to continue to operate in Europe because the international standards, so long as you signed up to them, would be would be acceptable. If the US is saying if Trump doesn't want to accept the US standards, that leaves the the Brits on their own, which could have a sort of damaging effect for these negotiations over the future of the city. And a damaging effect, presumably, Callum, on, on, on the stock market creating on Sunday, particularly for the financial stocks. That's what they hate, isn't it? It's, fun. it's fascinating at the moment. Uh, every now and then you notice that a sector's ticked up or that it's leading, that it's topping the loser board and you, you wonder why. And it, there, there's, there seems to be no information, nothing that can back up its movement. And then you ring up a few analysts and they all say, we've been looking at Donald Trump's Twitter feed again. And he... he I've never known a single person be able to carry so much sway via a Twitter account before. And of course, that's, there's been much written about that and Donald Trump. And of course, it's not really doing much in terms of turning around Twitter's fortunes. But it's fascinating at the moment to see the impact it can have. And we were just talking about how even the slightest remark on Brexit negotiations can really can really have a massive impact on Sterling at the moment. But certainly in the markets on both sides of the Atlantic, a single tweet from Donald Trump can really change things in a minute. No, I really am scared. All right, let's just move on to jobs. So that's another uh, piece of data out next week, Philip. Um, I noticed that last month's figure showed that uh, the unemployment rate in this country, 4.8%. I suppose the first question is, how much lower do you think it can go to the natural rate? The bank's been looking at this. Uh, Michael Saunders, who's one of the uh, one of their uh, policymakers, uh, reckons it could go as low as 4%. The bank has sort of endorsed that. They They... You know, historically, the natural rate of um, uh, non-inflationary unemployment was between five and five and a half percent. So at that point, labor was able to bid up its wages because there was effectively a a skills shortage. Um, uh, What it seems to be happening now is that the, the economy has capacity to have more people in work before that inflationary effect comes into wages. And the bank's now thinks that the the uh, equilibrium rate of unemployment is four and a half percent before wages start you know inflating um so that uh, is is their central case they say it could go as low as four percent but all of this is real uh just theoretical stuff i mean nobody nobody knows well man bob as industrial editor feel the practical side of, of the beach do you see in the companies reporting these days a sense that there is still a bit of capacity before when you've covered the earnings updates you you've seen them sort of making huge cost cuttings usually jobs plants whatever do you see now some form of leveling off and actually signs for optimism from the industrial sector well i don't know the the situation is that uh, um these are statistics you've got to look at the the quality of the jobs i mean some companies uh uh, working in the outsourced services companies like Mighty, um, two thirds of uh, some of their pe- of some of their uh, sectors are actually on the minimum wage. So yeah, they're jobs, which is a great, great thing. But these are low quality jobs, and also we've got to look at these figures in terms of um, youth unemployment. The youth unemployment figure is way higher, um, and uh, our companies need to be doing something uh, at that level. Apprenticeships is the, is the buzzword. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. But they can't just be sort of McDonald burger flipping apprenticeships. They have to be proper higher learning apprenticeships. And doesn't that often, it seems every year you hear from the CBI, I'm thinking back decades now, every year, the New Year wish list is, let's get more younger people with basic skills so that they can go on to apprenticeships. There's no point in asking someone to be an engineering or a welding apprentice if they don't understand basic mathematics. And that's been not been addressed really, has it? Absolutely. So what is the CBI doing about it? All they do is moan about it. Businesses need to get out there and actually engage uh, with the schools. It's not the school's fault. The business department and the education department, they, they they need to align their interests and actually start coming up with some solutions. You make an interesting point about apprenticeships. Um, I don't know what you think of, obviously the government has uh, really pushed the importance of apprenticeships and tried to really promote them as an option for young people, as a serious option for for people who pot- potentially would have gone to university otherwise in, 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 a previous, in previous years. Do you think, though, by setting arbitrary targets as if they have, I don't know what the, what the overall figure that they've pledged to, pledged to introduce by 2020 is, do you think that by doing that there is a, there is a real risk that you get more burger flipping apprenticeships at chains like McDonald's and outlets like that? You're absolutely right. I mean, targets um, always have unintended consequences. It, it is the situation that um, apprenticeship is something that's just been talked about uh, and there's been very sort of uh, little action or little good action from government. There's some, some companies like BAE, which is doing huge, uh, huge amounts of work here, but they're one of the companies that's doing that kind of outreach. Well, you're right about youth unemployment. What is about 11 or 12 percent at the moment, which is more than double the official rate. Um, and uh, I mean, the the kind of jobs which we need to see, well, the kind of things we need to see companies doing. Actually, Microsoft has announced that it wants to train people in digital skills, and uh, Google have they've they told me that they've been training two million people across Europe. I mean, all of this is pretty basic stuff, but you know, companies have they have there seems to be a push for companies to genuinely have proper investment in training uh, schemes because uh, you know the economy and the, you know, the standards of the workforce and everyone's uh, living standards will uh, suffer if it if it uh, if this, if this isn't grass where, where the statistics don't lie is that where you have high youth unemployment there's a direct correlation to where there's uh, a lacking of technical education and that's why in this country we have both those issues All right, well, sit tight. We're going to take a short break now. And when we return, we'll be getting an update on Rolls-Royce. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Uh, uh, Bobbly, new financial figures from Rolls-Royce. And then obviously, we mentioned there at the start, they've settled for a hefty sum with the serious fraud office. Um, this is, uh, I thought you'd like this. This is just a sneak preview. This is how Rolls-Royce would like to be seen in the wider corporate world. Rolls-Royce is one of the world's leading engineering companies designing and developing high-technology power solutions based on very efficient engines. These are used for applications on land, at sea, and in the air. Squeaky clean now, Bob? 
Well, you can't argue with, uh, against any of that. Uh, the problem is weighing over Rolls-Royce at the moment is this uh, massive 671 million global settlement uh, uh, past misdemeanours, which is uh, bribery and corruption. Um, we've got their figures out this week, um, uh, their annual figures, uh, and it's this time of year we would normally get another profit warning from Rolls-Royce. Um it's we're unlikely to get that this time, but what we will do have what we will have is actually a, a messy set of accounts because uh, there's going to be a lot of red ink poured over how they're going to start reaccounting for their uh, engine sales and how they actually get uh, how they account for the profits on the 30 year maintenance contracts thereafter. They're going to try and align the profits more closely with their um, with their cash coming into the business. Um, so it's going to be uh, quite a tough look at these account uh, at these figures to actually know how well Rolls-Royce is doing fundamentally. Rolls was actually on the rise on the FTSE last week. It, uh, it, it received two quite uh, positive notes from City and from JP Morgan. And JP Morgan made a point. This was the one that uh, really sent its shares up uh, and said that after five major profit warnings in 2014-15, Warren East has taken steps to the, on the long road to recovery, really giving a sense that actually it's, it's getting out the woods now. Would you agree with that assessment? Well, I'm not even sure... Um... Warren East would actually agree with that assessment. Um, he, he uh, in, in a chat with us the other day, likened Rolls-Royce to an old, um, grand old house covered in ivy. Something you'd know about, Robert, with your baronial home in the Shires. Absolutely. Um, you promised not to mention it. But w- what he meant by that was that it looks absolutely fantastic, but actually all that ivy is getting in the gutterings and getting in sort of the point work and the brickwork and everything. So there's a lot of stuff that they need to do. They've had to drain the swamp around uh, corruption, and they're, they're, being, they're absolutely assuring us that that is all in the past. Um, but they've also uh, been doing what Warren East has been talking about, is sort of move, removing mud from the machine, which is actually getting rid of uh, layer upon layer of middle management. Hundreds of these white-collar managers ha- have actually gone. And that's a, a that's a long old job. And that brings issues for the company because um, uh, those people left behind um, will wonder uh, whether their jobs are safe. And, and right at the top of the company, uh, so Warren East hasn't been the chief executive for, for two years yet. He's brought in a new chief operating officer and he's brought in a new chief financial officer. That's a lot of new people running a company that, and these guys are all new to it. It's not so much the engineering, is it? Isn't it, as you say, it's tackling middle management layer that, in fact, the banks used to find, the NatWests, I mean, in in the late 90s, you could save money with any acquisition of the bank. You just take out swathes of middle management. It's not actually improving the company necessarily looking to the future and what it it brings to engineering, is it? I think their argument is that it improves the actual operation of the company. In terms of uh, Rolls-Royce's future, what it needs to do is win the massive contracts for the new engines for Boeing and Airbus uh, in the mid-2020s. I mean, that isn't done by management. That is done by the fantastic engineers that they have. Uh, So as long as... uh, um, uh, they remain in place and aren't going somewhere else. Roles should have a, a future, but it's got a lot of issues before going from A to B. Um, you said it there, a lot of this future depends on winning new contracts with Boeing, um, which of course is a US company. And uh, under Trump, where you know he wants to put America's interests first, they've got Pratt & Whitney and GE, who are Rolls-Royce's big rivals, and, and they're American companies. So isn't it going to be harder than ever for Rolls-Royce to 
to win the big uh, bumper contract. You, you, you've absolutely said it all. I mean, um, when Rolls-Royce only has two competitors and they're both American. But mustn't forget that half of the uh, aircraft that are coming out in the world uh, are Airbus aircraft and Rolls is on uh, the single major program there, which is for the new A350. There's the issue of uh, making engines for the smaller aircraft, the ones we get on with EasyJet and Ryanair, uh, which in the case of uh, Airbus is the A320. Rolls-Royce isn't on that and that will be increasingly seen as a uh, a bad misstep by previous management. We talked earlier about it was uh, it was a sort of core holding for most people's portfolio in the past. I mean, along with Royal Dutch Shell, BP, they've all been through their ups and downs. I mean, where do you view Rolls-Royce in that? Do you have to hold it for if you want a decent exposure to, say, the British engineering sector or other, are there other alternatives? I think I take the view that... Um, uh, an investment in a company is, is kind of an investment in the management. Um, Warren East is undoubtedly uh, an intelligent and uh, a man of great expertise, um, but his management is actually quite new. So uh, a back, uh, if you back Rolls-Royce now, you're backing an untried machine. You mentioned the management, you mentioned the new CFO and the new COO uh, in place last year. Actually, analysts that I was speaking to uh, last week when, when Rolls was on the rise were, were, were pointing to it as like a, as example as an example of a new start in a, in a positive way. So do you, you actually sound like it's actually something to be more wary of than excited about if you're an investor right now? No, I think these guys are undoubtedly talented. They won't have been headhunted otherwise. But as with all things, it, it will take time to bed in. Uh, so back to Robert's point about uh, whether it's an investment. Uh, it It is a punt on that management team working well together. Uh, and you need to know those people to know whether that's going to happen. In a way, we've all got a stake in Rolls-Royce's future because it is the sort of bellwether of you know, engineering excellence in, in the country. And if anything should happen to Rolls, then you know, it would make us, it would make you worry about the future of our manufacturing industries a little. And we should be worried about it because um, Brexit is uh, looming large for Rolls-Royce. It's not particularly well known, but Rolls-Royce can move production from Derby to Germany quite quickly if it wishes to. Uh, And if it's not getting a proper Brexit solution, that's what it will do. Well, there's lots to ponder on there. And remember, you can uh, follow those results. Bob will be writing them uh, as they happen uh, online, the tablet, phone and in the paper. And remember, you can keep up to date with all those. If you'd like to become a subscriber so you can uh, sign up to our daily uh, morning and lunchtime emails, then go to thetimes.co.uk. It'll cost you just one pound. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. Please do feel free to post your comments or you can email any of us. Just put it's the Christian name, dot surname at thetimes.co.uk. My thanks to Philip Aldrich, Callum Jones and Robert Lee. Yes, they're on Twitter, so please do follow them. Thanks for listening and uh, please join us again next week. The Times Business Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Asked is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 